Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. Cries of the cross. Cries of the cross. Jesus says seven different things in six hours on the cross. In six hours, he only says seven things. I'm going to be honest with you. In six hours, most of us, myself, no question about it, would have said a lot more than seven things. But he chose to say seven things. I don't think that was an accident. I don't think that was just, just like, oh, just, he just feels like it now, so he speaks. I think it was intentional. And so we're going to talk about each week one of these different sayings that he says. And the first thing he says in Luke chapter 23, in verse 34, he says, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. This is after Jesus had been betrayed by Judas. This is after Jesus had been spit on, had been punched, had been slapped, had been beaten and whipped. This is after Jesus had been flogged. This is after Jesus had been given this, put seven, uh, not seven, excuse me, the crown of thorns on his head. This is after Jesus was nailed by, with his hands and his feet on the cross. This is after Jesus was picked up and the cross was hanging. He's, the Bible says that he's, he's next to these two thieves. And the very first thing he says is, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them for they know, do not know what they are doing. What does this show us? It shows us, I believe, the importance of forgiveness that Jesus wants us to know about. Now, you may be in the room or you may be online saying, oh, no, not another forgiveness message. Yep, sure is. Oh, I don't want to have to hear I got to get rid of bitterness again, and I don't want to forgive. I don't want to hear about it. Sorry. It's what Jesus said. And we're going to talk about this today, but I believe it's so important because, again, it is the first thing he says, and I don't think that's by accident. I think he wanted to show us how his, what his heart really was. And that was, it was a heart to forgive. What is these, what does this saying show me? As I've been studying this week, really four different things the Lord was showing me that this phrase means and says. One, it shows me that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. That's the way we need to think. Not Jesus loves us, not Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. Of course he loves us. Of course he loves you. But Jesus loves me. Because what we can do is we can get so caught up in Jesus loves the world that we can sometimes even forget that he loves me. And he loves me. The Bible says we all know the scripture in John chapter 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We all know the scripture. And it's an, a famous scripture. And it says, for God so loved that he gave his only son. Well, not only did the father give his son, Jesus gave his life. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves me. He chose to give his life. If you were or I was the only person on the planet, he would have chosen to give his life. Why? Because he loves you. He loves me. He loves me. The Bible says in John chapter 15 and verse 9 that he says, as the father has loved me. This is what Jesus is saying. As God the father has loved me, I so much have loved you. I have loved you the same way as the father loves me. Why? 
because he wants to show us the importance of knowing that he loves us. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, just showing you some scriptures this morning, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus loves us so much that he was willing to endure the cross. The Bible says the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? That joy was not heaven. That joy was you and I. Because he loved us so much that he chose to give his life, laying his life down. The Bible says that Jesus said, no man takes my life. I willingly lay my life down. Why? So that we would know how much he loves us. We all know the famous song, some of you may not, most of us probably know the famous song that we learned as very little children, and it's, it goes, Jesus loves me. Come on, y'all can do better than that. sign language and most of you do too you're like i've never i've never learned any sign language but you know yes jesus loves me but here's the thing i love this because it teaches us at a young age that jesus loves us but this 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 song says for the bible tells me so And that's true. The Bible does tell us that Jesus loves us, but the Bible doesn't just tell us Jesus loves us. Jesus showed us that he loves us. It's a historical fact. It's not just in the Bible. It's a historical fact that a man named Jesus died on a cross from Nazareth. Why? Because he chose to do so because he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. I love in the scripture in James chapter one and verse 18, it says this, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we out of all creation became his prized possession. You are God's prized possession. You may not feel like it. And here's what's so cool. It doesn't say Christians became his prized possession. It doesn't say people that read the Bible every day are his prized possession. No, we all are his prized possession. He loves everybody equally, whether you're a pastor or whether, whether you're someone that is in, in the business world. None of that matters. We, God wants us to know is that he loves you. He loves me. Personal, prized possession. He prized us so much so, hear me, He prized us so much so that he was willing to endure the cross. If you've not seen the passion of the Christ, I know it's a little older now. I think it's over, I think it's like 22 years old, but I still in my life remember the moment, the day that I saw it. I remember where I was in the theater and the theater was crowded. It was the night that it was opening and the theater was so crowded that I had to sit by myself. And I know that was God just setting me up because he knew that I was just going to be crying the whole time. Come on, somebody. And I remember watching this film and the film is very gruesome, but it has no, not, it can't even touch what really happened. 
And I remember watching this film and watching these Roman soldiers beating Jesus. I remember getting so angry. I was so frustrated, I was so mad. I was thinking, man, I can't, I, I can't believe these people would do this. I can't believe these Romans would crucify Jesus. I watched as these Pharisees and these crowds shouted, crucify him. I can't believe these people would be shouting, crucify Jesus. I watched as they mocked and I watched as they, they spit on. I watched and I, I'm so upset, I'm so frustrated. I watched as the disciples all spread out and left him. I can't believe these disciples would leave Jesus at his time of need. And I remember in this theater, in the little corner of this theater, I remember in the middle of this movie, me being so frustrated and upset, and I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart and saying, that's you. That's you that's nailing him to the cross. Yeah, the Roman soldiers may have done it with their hands, but we've done it with our sins. But yet he chose to do so because he loves us so much. He chose to lay it all down. Why? Because we are his prized possession. We live in a culture, in a society that loves prizes. You go to the carnival and spend $50 shooting a basketball to win the ugliest stuffed animal you've ever seen. Like the eyeballs are crooked. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you got this from somebody that didn't want this stuffed animal. And you're like, yeah, I got it. I won. We're, we're people that love prizes. We do all types of things as humans, all types of competitions to win these prizes. How do I know that? I looked it up. I looked up some of the craziest things we do for prizes, and I'm going to give you a couple. One of them, many of you probably have seen it on ESPN, is there's something that they call the hot dog eating contest. And they give you 10 minutes, and you may have seen it. If you have, you know. If you haven't, don't. And they give you 10 minutes to eat as many hot dogs as you can within 10 minutes. The world record, you may know, you may not, is 76 hot dogs. If you don't know, that's more than one hot dog every 10 seconds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Hot dog done. Go to the next one. One, two, three, hot dog. We got hot, hot. Next thing you know, you get to 60. Let's keep going. Actually, I would probably get to like five. And I, anyway, it doesn't matter. Do you know what they win? The hot dog eating contest? They win a wrestling belt that's bright yellow that says world champion of hot dog eating contest. 76 hot dogs for a belt. People do some crazy stuff. There's a competition in a different country that it's called the tar barrel race. And what they do is they have these, those big, huge wooden barrels that you see and those Western movies, movies huge. and what they do is they dip the whole barrel in tar. And then they put the tar, tar barrel on their shoulders and have to run around the city and see who can win. But the problem is they don't stop there. They light the tar on fire. It's a true competition. Look it up. These people are absolutely insane, but that's okay. Jesus loves them too. You know what I'm saying? There's some more. Let me give you some other ones. There's one that literally is called and is a cell phone throwing contest. And the whole contest is who can throw a cell phone the furthest. Now, some of y'all, y'all had that breakup. You're like, mm, I could have won that game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry. Some of you are like, I could throw it when I'm crying. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Stop. Stop. We'll stop. 
There's one that's called, and it's, it's part of like a Spartan race. Y'all know, probably have heard of the Spartan races or these adventure races or these obstacle course races. There's a ton of them. I love those actually. But th- this one's different. It, it's, it's an obstacle course like a Spartan race, but it's called wife carrying race. And they have to go through all the obstacle courses carrying their wife. Now, I don't know what would be worse if you doing the obstacles with your wife or your wife yelling at you for doing the obstacle courses with her on you. You know what I'm saying? You can look up pictures. It's a true story. You can look up Google, like a wife carrying obstacle course. And no joke, some of the craziest pictures you will ever see. There's one picture of this guy. He's jumping into this mud pool and his wife is on his back, but upside down. His, her face is on his butt. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the, it's so weird. Anyways, it doesn't matter. We do all kinds of crazy things for prizes. There's one that is called the World Toe Wrestling Championship. World Toe Wrestling. It's like thumb wars, but with your toes. Let me tell you something. You can keep that championship. I ain't touching your toes. I can promise you that. Nope, germaphobe, too much so. Uh-uh, see you later. There's one, and I'll stop with this one. And this is an embarrassing one for the South. It's actually in the South, and it's called, it's called, I'm going to make sure I get it right. It's called Rolling in Grits Competition. It's in the South. Be proud. Yes, you live in the South. Rolling in Grits Competition. This is what people do for fun. They weigh themselves. This is the competition. They weigh themselves. Then they have 10 seconds to jump in a kiddie pool. True story, it's an actual event. They jump in a kiddie pool full of grits. Then they roll around for 10 seconds. And however much and how many, however many amount, I don't even know how to say that, how, whatever the amount of grits they can get on them in 10 seconds, then they get out and they weigh themselves. And whoever had the most weight in grits in that 10 seconds wins. Some of y'all are thinking, man, I do that, and that's what makes you weird. <laughs> that's why you're from the South, praise God. But let me tell you something. We ain't got that. There's a lot of things the South has to be proud of. That ain't it. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, what y'all do down there in that South? Uh, well, we have like a, uh, we have like a grits competition. Oh, like you eat them out of, no, no, no. You like roll around in them. You know what I'm saying? We do all kind of crazy things for prizes, but here's what's interesting. Nothing any competition or we could do as humans is as crazy of Jesus, as Jesus giving his life for us. Nothing on this planet is as crazy as Jesus giving his life for us. And yet, here's what he did. He chose to do so. Why? Because he loves me. He's willing to give it. He was willing to give his whole life. Why? Because he loves me. And here's the thing about when I say he loves me, it's not that he loves me because we can get into this mundane. We've been t- taught since we were kids. Jesus loves me. We, we hear about it outside of the church. We, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. We see it on billboards. Jesus loves you. And it can become so mundane or so, so uh, normalized or so just, just the thought process that we don't ever even take time to really process and think about and ponder what that even means. He loves me. Meaning this, no matter what I've been through, no matter what I've walked through, no matter what I go through, he chooses to love me unconditionally. Meaning, doesn't matter what the condition or state I am in, he still chooses to love me. And in fact, it's not just love me, he likes me. Jesus likes you. Oh, well, you don't know what I've done. He likes you. Well, you don't know what I've said. He likes you. You don't know what I've been been through. He likes you. Jesus literally likes you and me. 
You ever been around somebody that doesn't like you? You ever been like for real around somebody that doesn't like you? You know what I'm saying? And like you're walking on eggshells and like you're kind of hanging out and like you're talking, you're like, yeah, bro, what's up? And he's like, yeah, 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 what's up? And like, you know, you're thinking, yeah, whatever. I know you don't like me, you little sucker. Just leave me alone. You know what I'm talking about? I remember when I was interning a long time ago, I had a housemate and one of his housemates, there was a bunch of us in a house, in a large house and I had a housemate and I, this guy just didn't like me. No matter what I did, no matter what I said, the dude just didn't like me. And because he didn't like me, I'll be honest, I'll be a little, I'll be vulnerable. I didn't really love the dude, you know what I'm saying? Jesus is still working in my heart, but you know what? I didn't love, love the dude either, okay? Here's what's interesting though. I got to the point in my life where I said this. I said, I'm gonna make this dude like me. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get this dude to like me in the next year of time that I'm living with him. So I did all kinds of stuff. I cleaned up the house for him and some of the stuff. I, I made sure the pantry was filled with his types of food that he liked. I, I did some different, I did all different types of things. But here's what was interesting that happened in my heart. I did all these things to get him to like me. And instead of me liking him more by doing all these things, it caused me to resent him because I was trying to earn him liking me. The same thing can happen with God. When we get to the place of where we don't really understand his love, what we start to do is we start to naturally, human brains, we start to say, okay, now because I've done something, now I have to do some other things to try to get back into God's grace, to get back his love or to earn him or to get him to like me. I gotta read a certain amount of scriptures or I gotta pray a certain amount of prayers or I gotta attend a certain amount of services or I gotta attend or know certain songs or I gotta love certain people in the world world where I got to be kind to people and buy people coffee. All those things are great, but none of those things get Jesus to love you. He doesn't love you because of you. He loves you because of him. And what can happen in our world, we see it all the time, where people walk around with shame and guilt, and so they're trying to earn their, his love. And so what happens, it causes people to do the exact opposite. It causes them to begin to resent him instead of love him. That's why Jesus said, listen, it's not about you. It's about me. I just want you to know. I want you to live. I want you to rest. I want you to overflow out of knowing. I love you. He loves you. He doesn't just love you. He likes you. He likes you. You don't have to change you. He likes you. For you. He loves us. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I love this. It starts with a conversation. He says, Father, forgive them. What does this show me? It shows me Jesus loves me. It also shows me Jesus forgives me. Jesus forgives me. He doesn't just love me. He forgives me. He says, Father, forgive them. He's showing us an overflow, an expression that says, I want you, God, God, first thing, Father, I want you to do, I want you to forgive him. He forgives me. The scripture says in John chapter one and verse nine, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess with our mouths, he is faithful and just to forgive us. He is faithful and he is just to forgive us if, big if here, big if, if we confess, forgiveness comes from us confessing that we need him and that we need his forgiveness. 
A big if, because people can walk around, do whatever you want, do all your stuff, and think, oh yeah, God forgives me. No, 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 it starts with if we confess. How do we, how do we get, and how do we receive? It's not how do we earn, it's how do we receive his forgiveness. We confess that we need him. We confess that we need his forgiveness. And then if we do so, the scripture says, he's just and faithful to forgive us. Psalms chapter 103 and verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. See, we live in a culture and a society and a world where here's what happens. If I go east and I keep going east and I keep going east and I keep going east, at some point I'm going to end up back where I am. But God does not live in the world or the, or, the, or the restrictions or the constraints of what we call space or distance. He says it's from as far as east is from the west. There is no connection point. It doesn't come back around. It's not a circle. It's an infinity line where as far as he can throw them, and it keeps going and going and going and going east. Meaning this, he forgives us. And not only does he forgive us, he forgives us, and the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, it says that he forgets them. Actually, if you read in Hebrews chapter 8, not 9, I'm sorry, for I will be merciful towards my iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. He forgets our sins. Here's what I would challenge you with, all of us. Never mistake God's forgiveness with human forgiveness. God's forgiveness is instant, and God's forgiveness is eternal. Human forgiveness is a process that we walk through to find healing and freedom. That's not God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness is instant and eternal. Eternal means this. That means it's once he says, once we confess, the Bible says he is just and, he, and he's gonna forgive us. He's faithful and just. He's forgiven us. Once I confess, I'm forgiven. And the scripture says then it, it's, that my sins are as far as the east to the west. And then it says he forgets. He won't even remember them anymore. But here's what we do oftentimes, because we, we, can, we can misconstrue or we can think wrongly about his forgiveness. And so we feel bad and we still feel this shame. And so we'll, we'll ask God to forgive us. A week later, we ask God to forgive us. A month later, we ask God to forgive us. A year later, we ask God to forgive us. 10 years, we're still in the thought process of thinking. We're like, oh God, I'm so sorry I did that 10 years ago. Forgive me. It was a big mistake. It was huge. Could you imagine the gentleman in the room if you're married, could you imagine going to your wife and your wife says, hey, can you wash the dishes? She asks you two different times, AKA 20 times, but you only heard her two times, but that's okay. Hold another conversation. Can you wash the dishes? And you say, yeah, babe, no problem. Don't worry about it, babe, 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 babe. I got the dishes. I'm your guy. I'm gonna wash the dishes. Then you, you, what happens, life goes on, you fall asleep, you're tired, you fall asleep, your wife wakes up and the dishes aren't washed. Bless God, you about to ask for forgiveness, you know what I'm saying. And so you say, so, babe, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me that I forgot to wash the dishes? And she says, no worries, babe, I love you, I forgive you. And then a week later you come to her, babe, you know what I was thinking about those dishes a week ago? I'm so sorry I didn't wash those dishes. Would you forgive me? Yeah, babe, I forgive you. Don't worry about it. Just keep going. Then a month goes by and you think about, you come back and you say, babe, you know how a month ago I didn't wash those dishes and I told you to wash, I was gonna wash the dishes. Babe, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Yeah. 
I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. And then a year goes by. Babe, you know how a year ago, like we were like hanging out and you asked me to wash the dishes and I forgot. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Yeah. 10 years goes by. 10 years in the marriage. Oh, babe, I'm so sorry. You know what? 10 years ago, a decade. Wow, babe, we made it a decade. You remember that one time 10 years ago when I was washing the dishes and I, and I told you I was going to wash dishes and I didn't? Babe, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? She's going to look at you and say, you got a lot more to ask for forgiveness for in the 10 years than there was one silly little dishes. You know what I'm saying? We would never do that as humans with human relationships. But yet for some reason, because we distort God's love and God's forgiveness, we do it to him. God's love is instant. He immediately forgives. But then not only does he immediately forgive, it's eternal. Once he forgives, he is faithful and just to forgive. He, it's as far as the east is from the west. And not only that, he remembers them no more. See, we remember the process of forgiveness. We have to remember it's part of the pain, part of the process of life. It's part of our minds, how we think. We have to go through the process to remember what happened and keep going. And we get to the point of freedom. But even when we're free, we still remember what happened. That's not who God is. When, he asks, when we ask and we confess our forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us instantly and eternally because he's a good God. He loves us. He forgives us. It's valuable that we would understand this as we continue to talk about this phrase that he says and he speaks. And I love it because he starts this conversation and this, this phrase with father. He starts the phrase with father. Could it be that Jesus was reminding those around him of the moment that he was baptized? And the Bible says that when he was baptized, Jesus comes up out of the water the Bible says that God, the Father, speaks, comes down as a dove, and he speaks, and he says, this is my son in who, I'm well, in who I am well pleased. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Could it be that Jesus was reminding those around him, maybe even himself, I don't know, but could it be that he was reminding those around him that he says, listen, I'm starting with Father. Why? Because I want people to know that there's this God, the Father, who loves me and he's well pleased with me. And so I'm living my life from an overflow. It starts with Father from love. And then from there, there's this overflow out of it, immediately out of love says, forgive them. What would life look like if we lived out of an overflow of love, of understanding the, the love of the Father, love, understand, understanding the love of Jesus, understanding the love of the Holy Spirit, what would it look like if we lived out of an overflow of that to where we were so and rest and so at peace and so overwhelmed with his love, what would our forgiveness look like? I could tell you this, when people come against you at work, when someone offends you or says something negative about you or about me, it's gonna be a lot easier to forgive them when we're living from a place of love, of knowing what he's done for us and how he's forgiven us. He starts it with Father, I love it. Then he goes on, he says this in 23, verse 34, it says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They know not what they do. Jesus loves me. Jesus forgives me. But also this phrase, this sentence, he says, for they know not what they do, it shows me that he understands me. He understands me. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter four and verse 15, that for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but he, we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. We have a God who is Jesus, who is not far from us and just sitting in heaven, just 
just chilling, killed his legs, kicked back, and just, and just doesn't understand us. No, we have a God that we believe in. His name is Jesus. The Bible says that he understands our weaknesses, that he was tempted in every way. You're like, oh, well, that's sin. They're talking about sin. Well, let me tell you something. Temptation of unforgiveness and, tempta- and bitterness is, can be a temptation as well. He was hurt, and from being hurt, here's what happens. It's quickly where we can receive this or underst- think that we can justify this bitterness or this unforgiveness. He was tempted with the same weakness. What does this phrase show us? This phrase shows us that he loves us so much that he's willing to forgive us, but also he wants us to know that he understands us. They don't know what you're doing. They don't understand that you're hurting me and you're hurting them. Forgive them. They don't understand that you're hurting, they're hurting me and they're hurting you. Forgive them. We serve a God, I'm, I'm so grateful We serve a God who understands us, who's walked through the pains that we've walked through, that's walked through the hurts who we've walked through, who's walked through the the fears and the different things that we had, the doubts, the things, things we had to deal with in our minds. He's walked through those, and the scripture says that now we can look to him for help in our time of need. Because what we can say is, well, Pastor Jordan, you don't understand what I walked through. Yeah, that might be true. Oh, Pastor Jordan, you don't understand what happened to me. You don't know what they did or that person said or that person did to me. You'll never understand. That may be true. Well, you'll never understand the betrayal. You'll never understand how it made me feel. You'll never understand. That may be true. But I do know this. I may never understand, but I know Jesus does. That we have a God who walks with us, who understands every thought, Every, every pain, every hurt, he understands me. He loves me and he forgives me. And so from his love and his forgiveness, now I can rest and know he understands me. And I now, because he understands me, now I have someone who can help me in my hurts and in my pain. And this is a process, hear me. This is a process that we walk through. This is a process that we walk through. I wanna make sure that I'm saying that. Healing is a process that we walk through, but healing is a process, but forgiveness is a choice. And we make the choice. And then from making the choice, now we walk through the process. And I love this because he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. He says, for what they do. They know not what they do. Jesus was not ignoring what was happening to him. He was not avoiding what was happening to him. He was not belittling what was happening to him. Sometimes we can get in conversations about forgiveness and we can say, oh, well, you don't know what happened. You're just, you're just trying to wash it away. Or you're just trying to act like it never happened. No, that's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus is letting us know that he understands what happened and he loves us and wants to care for us. This is not, Jesus is not excusing wrong behavior. When he says, when we talk about forgiveness sometimes, this is what pain can do. It can make us feel like, oh, well, you're just saying what they did. If I forgive them, then what they did was okay or what they did was right or what they said was okay or what they said was right. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what I'm saying. Many of you who come to our church know that it's not what I believe. That is not what the Bible says. I don't believe that's what Jesus says. I believe, in fact, if you're walking through a situation in your life that is verbal or abusive or, 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 or physical abuse, then you should, you should distance yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. We're not, we're not excusing wrong behavior. We want to help you in that. 
That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is I'm choosing to walk away from the prison that I've trapped myself in called unforgiveness and bitterness. Jesus was not excusing what was happening. He was framing it. He was changing the perspective. He was saying this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Meaning this, the enemy is trying to use this pain to cause hurt and death in my life. But the cool thing about Jesus is he had a different perspective. He said, God is going to use this for a greater glory. Ephesians chapter six and verse 11. Let me show it to you. I'm just gonna show it to you very quickly. Ephesians chapter six, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The very hurt that you and I have walked through is a scheme of the enemy of your soul to try to keep you from walking and living in freedom. Try to keep you from walking and living in peace. To try to keep you from walking and living in joy. The very scheme of the enemy is the very pain that you have felt. But the incredible thing about the God that we serve is he understands. And what if we had the perspective, just let me just, for a second. What if we had the same perspective as Jesus on our pain and our hurt? And we said, yeah, we've walked through this. Yeah, this has been a nightmare. Yeah, this has been horrible. But I know this, I serve a God who says he will turn everything around for the good of those who love him. And so the very pain that I've walked through or am walking through, God is going to use to free somebody else. It's a process. Jesus wasn't excusing wrong behavior. He wasn't excusing his experience and what was happening. He was framing it. And we have to understand this as we walk through things in our lives. There's this process that we have to go through, through healing, but we have to choose to forgive. I got a little illustration for you really quick. Anybody, y'all may have seen them, thanks bro. Y'all may have seen these little cardboard announcements where they're like, you know, there's there's like somebody on a stage. Y'all may have seen this. If not, you can look them on YouTube. There's like this person on the stage. It's usually like pitch black dark and like it's the one spotlight and the person's like standing there and they're holding this sign saying addicted and everybody's like, Okay, and then like all of a sudden like the music builds and they like flip the the cardboard and it says free. And everybody's like, yeah, cheers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever seen these? You know what I'm talking about? Then like you got another one, like somebody's up there and it says rejected. And like, oh, you're like, oh man, you feel bad for the person. Like, I love you. Come here, give me a hug. And then they flip it over and they're like, I'm loved. And you're like, yeah, you are loved. Yeah, we love you. You know what I'm talking about? You know? And you got another one, like somebody's up here. Let me see if I can grab the cardboard right. I don't know. There we go. You got some, it says abused. And you're like, oh man. No way. And you're like, oh, I can't believe this. Then like, they flip it over and they're like healed. And like, yeah, you're healed. Yeah, you are. Everybody's all happy. And then they got another one, like somebody's like bitterness. And you're like, oh man, I can't believe you're walking through bitterness. And then it says joyful. And then like you're watching them flip it and it says joyful. And then now you kind of got bitter because you're still bitter and you're not joyful. And you're like, oh man, this didn't help me. This hurt me. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's what's interesting. I love these. Hear me. I love these. I love these testimonies. You can go look them up and they're exciting. The Bible says that we, we, we overcome by the word of our testimony. This is part of people's testimonies. And it's just a, a sign or a symbol or an illustration for churches to show people how you can walk from being addicted to free. All those things are great. But here's what's interesting about this. That when we watch this or we see this, we see addicted and then we see in a second, an instant, free. 
we almost create this concept in our brains where there's this microwave Jesus. And so from this microwave Jesus, boom, that person was addicted, but now that person's free. Well, I've been addicted for two or three or four or five or 12 years, and so I haven't received my freedom. Why? Well, here's what the thing is. This cardboard doesn't show you the process. This cardboard, when you see somebody that says free, it doesn't show you the five years that they had to walk through sobriety. Doesn't show you the five years where they were struggling and they were thinking, I I just need to make it one more day or one more minute or one more hour. I'm just going to make it till tomorrow. I can do it. And no one believes in me, but I believe in myself. And they'll show you in the nights when they were by themselves and they will be tempted with that substance. It doesn't show you that. All it shows is rejected and free. But I know this. I serve a Jesus who walks through the process with us who was with him and her in the substance abuse, who was with him and her through that process of that five years. And so the testimony is, yeah, they're free, but the testimony is really this. It's the journey of walking with Jesus to find our freedom. Then we got this one, you see rejected and you see loved. and We don't see the process of how someone has felt rejected for years and they don't know how to receive love and they've been rejected by a parent or a family member or a relationship and so they don't know how to feel loved and they don't show the process of the years that it's taken to heal their heart, to hear people say that you're good enough and that you're valued. They don't hear all that. All we see is a little flip of a card but let me tell you something, Jesus sees it. He walks with us in our hurt. He walks with us in our loneliness. Why? Because he loves us and he cares for us. Then we don't see the process of where someone says abused and healed. We think, man, that's awesome. They've been abused. They've been healed. Wow, that's, that's incredible. This cardboard doesn't show you is the process. The process of where it's been nights. People have been miserable in themselves. They don't feel comfortable in their own skin. They don't know who they are because they've been abused. They, they believed lies of themselves. Maybe they've gotten depressed or gotten to the place where they even thought about committing suicide and killing themselves. It doesn't show that. It shows just, just, just abused and woo, we're healed. It doesn't show the the years that it's taken them to be able to receive love again where they get married and they're afraid to be touched because of the pain that they've walked through in their past. It doesn't show that. But I'm telling you this. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna get excited about it. I serve a Jesus who sees us but doesn't just see us. He walks with it and he heals us through it. We have a process, yes, but it's not just a process. It's a testimony, a journey that says Jesus is walking with me. Why? Because he understands me. No one else may understand, but I can stand on this. Jesus does. He loves me. He forgives me. And he knows me. It's a process. Lastly, as we see Jesus loves us and he forgives us and he understands us. Doesn't stop there. Jesus commands us commands us. The scripture says in Mark chapter 11 in verse 25, one of the most sobering scriptures in the Bible, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. As you're praying, if you have anything against anyone, Forgive them. 
When I was growing up in school, I used to, when we take exams, I used to love true or false because I had a 50% chance of getting it right. I would also not mind multiple choice because I knew in my brain I got 25% chance to get this right. But here's the thing about a command from Jesus. There's no multiple choice. There's no, more, there's no other options. There's no but like if he or she dot dot. No, it's like, but you don't, but my pain. No, there's no options. Because if we change or put an option in there, here's what we're doing. We're saying Jesus' words are optional. It's a command. If we really understand that he loves us, he forgives us, and he understands us, again, it's a process. But we understand, if we understand these things, if we're really living from that, then here's what we know. Our heart should be this. We desire to follow him and walk in obedience to him. Walking in obedience to him is not just reading your Bible. Walking in obedience to him is not just loving your neighbor and cooking them rice aroni because that's all you got in your cabinet, but you feel like you want to be nice to your neighbor. Who eats rice aroni? I don't know. Walking in obedience to him is not just going to church. Walking in obedience to him is not just praying a certain prayer or knowing certain songs. Walking in obedience to him is when you command it, I say yes. Well, you don't know how hard it is. You don't know the pain that I've walked through. I don't, but Jesus does. And so I know this, if he asks us of it, if he commands it, then I know that he'll walk through us and give us the strength to overcome it. It's a command. There's no and, bit, but, if, what. There's no, it's literally, it's a command. No options. No multiple choice. So the question I would ask you today as I close. Are you at the place in your life where you desire to follow him and walk in obedience? Because he loves you. He forgives you. He understands you. But he also commands us. Commands me, commands you. And if I can, just for a moment, it's interesting because we talk about a process. I'm gonna talk about myself. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm gonna talk about myself. Maybe you'll relate to this. We talk about pain. We talk about hurt. Everybody's pain is different and everybody's experiences are different. But oftentimes, if I'm not careful, I'm talking about myself. If I'm not careful, what I can do is I can look at my hurt and my pain that I'm holding on to, unforgiveness or bitterness towards someone. And what I can do is I can justify not dealing with it and just calling it a process. Yeah, it is a process. But what we can do is we can say, oh yeah, it's a process, so I'm not ready yet. Or yeah, it's a process, so I'm just not letting go. To That's not the type of process we're talking about. A process is this. I'm allowing Jesus to work in me to heal me and free me. And some of that is facing it. Some of that is letting it go. Some of that is walking through it. 
And it's painful, yes, but I can promise you this. The joy on the other side of it will always be worth the pain of walking through it. Don't allow. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Because then we just become a bunch of Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, we just know the scripture and we say we're living the scripture and we ain't living the scripture. It's a command. You said forgive. It's a process. Okay, that's great. It's a process. But don't let the term process ju- cause you to justify or cause me to justify us really walking out a life of living and forgiveness. I want to encourage you. He loves you. It's maybe your first time. You may, man, I ain't been in church in years. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's all good. God loves you. God loves you more, just as much as he loves me. I'm no better than you. I'm no closer to God. He loves you. Here's what it is. We have to be a people that are willing to confess. And if we confess that we need him and ask for forgiveness, the Bible says then he'll forgive us. There's no sin too large. There's no mistake too big. There's no weight too large. And there's no, there's no pain or hurt that he can't heal. But it starts with confessing that we need him. From that, we begin to walk out and live a life of forgiving others. From the overflow of understanding his grace, his love, and his forgiveness for me, now o- overflow out of that, I forgive him. I forgive them. I let it go. I forgive them. Let us be a church closing. Let's be a church. Let's be individuals that live a life of forgiving others. And as we do, hear me, as we do, we will see a side of freedom in our lives that we never thought possible. We'll see a side of joy. We'll see a side of peace that we never thought possible. Amen. Can we pray today? Father, I thank you so much.